right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Boxed Wine and Witchcraft. I always default to some of my favorite wines. I've got one of my uh, 19 crimes. This one's with the Snoop Dogg label. What do you have? You have what? Tea? Water? I have copper-infused water. (laughs) Copper-infused alkaline water. Well, that's fun, too. (laughs) Get you crunk. <laughs> All right. Drunk on copper. There we go. <laughs> That's how you get Wilson's disease. Not that. <laughs> All right. And tonight we are talking about divination in magical practices, magical workings, magic in general. Mm-hmm. So my goal with this was to make Melissa talk more because I'm tired of hearing me. <laughs> so we're live in studio, actually. We are actually in the same room. We are across the table from each other. Um, so the first talking point, what is the necessity for a diagnostic reading? What is the purpose and when is it necessary to do a reading before doing witchcraft or spell work? I always defaulted to doing a reading to see what the result would be with magic, what the result would be without, and to make sure I had everything I needed to do the working. Whether you do that or not is going to be heavily dependent on what you were taught, who taught you, and the tradition you're working in to begin with. So for me, American folk magic, the different forms of American folk magic, it was kind of always you read before you do the working. Um, Unless it's a situation where, so this is one that I've never encountered, but this is an example nonetheless. Uh, You don't need to do a reading to make sure you can bless your cattle to not die in a winter storm. Um, That's something that you find, you find a lot of farm animal blessings and protection rituals in Braukerai and Pennsylvania Dutch Magic. You don't need to read for that. You don't need to read um, to set up uh, protection. Now, if you want to know how effective that protection would be, you could read for that, or what to put inside of it, you would read for that. But whether you do a reading before the working is entirely up to what you were taught and what your tradition you're practicing in. Melissa, what do you think? Because <laughs> you're tired of talking. Um, you know, honestly, I've never been one to do readings before any magic um but hearkening back to the whole if what's what you're taught i wasn't taught to do so Mm -hmm. um and it's never occurred to me like hey let's do this now i kind of thought to do it once in a great while if somebody asked me to do something for them yes that being said i am not one i I don't do spell for hire yeah you know so that therefore it doesn't happen that often right um And if I say yes, it's something that's clearly going to be okay to do. Somebody needs help with healing work or, you know, some sort of abundance, then sure. But um, there's only been a handful of times, if that, that I'm like, well, you know what, let me, let me think on this and let me divine on this first. Mm -hmm. And that's usually because I have some sort of trepidation somehow, some way about it. So, um, but not because of, gee, because of doing a spell, I need to divine first. So I would say with that, if you have like apprehensions about something in the first place, that's probably your intuition telling you, which itself is a form of divination. 
Um, and that's another thing. There comes a point, I think, where even if you were taught to do divination before working, eventually your intuition is going to start picking up on those things in the first place. And that's going to be your divination on whether you should proceed, how you pr should proceed, in what ways you should proceed. Um, again, you don't need to do divination for every little thing. You're not going to a reader and the first question at being asked is, are you the right reader for me? And then asking, you know, then continuing with your questions. You're usually going to go to a reader because you feel some kind of draw to them. So to some degree, your intuition will tell you whether you need to do something a certain way or not. For those in the beginning, I think it is a great default. It gives you some good practice in your divination work too. Yeah. Um, especially if you if you have a new tool that you're testing. Mm -hmm. Keep a journal. Yes, keep a journal. Um, anytime I've taught divination, I've told people like keep a journal and do like daily polls. Um, they don't have to be for anyone but yourself or just, you know, even how the day is going to go or what to keep in mind throughout the day. Moving on. So what do we do if you do divination for working and the answer that keeps coming up is in the negative? Don't do it. Don't do it. And don't keep asking. Don't change the wording just to get the, the answer you want. If there is a sharp no coming up, don't do it. Don't tempt fate. <laughs> You have every right to, if you want to, if you want to do that, go right ahead. The outcome won't be pretty. You know, some divination, it's yes or no, mm -hmm. but in some of the, um, uh, like in my tradition, there's, there's no, there's yes. There's yes in abundance. Yep. And then there's wait. Yep. It's not a clear no. And it's not a clear yes. It's like, just not like ask again later. Yes. Um, so then you've got to learn to know the difference. Mm -hmm. And some traditions aren't going to allow you to have that weight mm -hmm. as an option. Um, there are two that I can think of right now. For those of you who are familiar with Taoism or Chinese Buddhism, they have divination blocks called jiaobei. Um, they look like half moons. They're sometimes called Buddha lips. But they're dropped, and depending on the pattern they're dropped, there's a yes, a no, and you're on the right track answer. Um, then there's a personal divination system that I came up with that is loosely based on a couple other things. Uh, and for me, I have a yes, a no, and a likely and unlikely. That's how I kind of determine this, the intricacies of my workings. I'll talk about that when we get to that point. but. Don't keep asking the same question in multiple ways, expecting a certain answer. If the answer is no, just go with no. And bring up the question later on after a decent amount of time. Don't do it the next day. Don't even do it the next week. Wait like a month and allow you know some time for things to change and adjust. And if you still have a question about that thing you're going to work on, then ask. Things don't change overnight. At least not dramatically enough not dramatically. to get a, a different answer. Um, <clears throat> I usually will tell people, wait like a moon phase. Mm -hmm. You know, like wait till the next time. Because that's, that's usually enough time. There's your month. Yes. Um, it's going to change your mindset as well. You're going to be in a different frame of mind in 30 days 
ideally than what you are now. Especially if the thing that you're thinking of doing might be more on a negative side of your thinking of cursing somebody, axing somebody, causing harm, and you're mad right now. What are the odds you're going to be that angry in 30 days? Mm-hmm. So, um, did you ever watch uh, Cloud Atlas in the beginning? Sonmi says some quote, which I can't remember, but it was very very much about like being patient essentially and waiting and realizing like the ripples of our effects was something like our lives are so closely intertwined from womb to tomb. We cannot know what the outcome is or something like that, something to that effect. Um, and so like, that's another thing to take into account is, you know, workings can be very powerful when you put a lot of raw emotion behind them. I can speak from personal experience with that. A lot of the workings I have had great accomplishment in is because of a lot of raw emotion going behind it. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's like an explosion inside of a small glass bottle. It can be very disruptive and it can be destructive. And it can go the way you don't want it to go or go even deeper than you would want it to. Um you know, you're trying to hex your ex for whatever reason. Well, the way you hex your ex ends up actually killing his mother. And so he's incredibly sad. So yeah, he's hurt. But you hurt someone else in that same process that you didn't necessarily intend to. That is a very mm-hmm. dramatic example, but like it gets the point across. Right. It doesn't need to affect everybody else. Innocent bystanders do not need to be affected. Correct. In yeah. your moment of anger. They have nothing to do with this. Don't involve them intentionally or unintentionally. So take time to calm down. Think the whole thing through and step out and look at the bigger picture. So let's move on to using the divination devices themselves in the workings. Um, I'm sure most people who have a little bit of experience in the stuff we do has probably come across this. Um, You can use tarot in certain uh, workings to get to a goal. You can use certain runes to add focus and energy to whatever you're working on. Um, I read bones, and funnily enough, a lot of those bones can be used as curios in the workings themselves. So let's say you want to work toward getting out of an unhappy situation, trying to get through a very lull, a very big lull in your life, you would use the sun card. Maybe the six of wands for triumph, six of swords for, you know, moving from stormy waters into calmer waters. Those being put behind the working can add that focus to it. Um, Maybe you want to do a working that helps boost your energy. You could use Urus, the the ox rune for strength. Um, Protection. Use the, I believe it's the Ewas or Itas rune. The one that looks like a Y. The one that looks like an upside down peace symbol um, for protection. Add that to... Add that symbol alone to a piece of paper for any protection charm that you're going to use. I'm trying to think of, because I don't use much Mm -hmm. divination tools. I'm like, 
thinking. Um, I mean, there's ways that I can use my Mesa, but that, that kind of changes all the time. It's not always set. So I'm like, eh, what's a good, mm-hmm. and it would probably be like the Pachamama stone for protection, that grounding, that encapsulation in uh, Mama Unu could also be. Mm-hmm. So taking those pieces and incorporating um, <clears throat> that into a system, but at the same time, I would be a little different because I don't want my pieces wrapped up in a spell it would be like placing yeah. it there as part of that energy and then yeah. being able to pull that away because now i have healing work to do yes so um, um, that is another thing to consider is like maybe use a uh a card from a deck you're not using currently because i have the deck i use for reading myself reading clients and then i have a spare deck that i would use in uh workings and i would use you know i have a separate deck itself for workings you know um, so keeping things on hand for stuff like that. Would be the same for the runes as well. Mm-hmm. Keeping a spare set. Um, now you can use these tools slightly adjacent to their context. So let's take, for instance, the devil, the devil represents negative thought patterns, addictions, things that get in the way of our progress or happiness you can use the devil to help heal those things as well you can use the devil to help with negative thought patterns you can use the devil to help overcome addiction again no i am not suggesting you use spiritual tools to deal with medical issues but they can be very supportive if you want to work with them in that capacity um decision making you could use the justice card or the lovers maybe even temperance. If you wanted to like make someone feel weak for whatever reason as part of a curse, you could use the strength card. Um, so you can use their opposite meanings or you can use their prime meaning altered to get to that goal as well. All right. So back to what I was saying before. I made a divination system loosely based on uh, some American folk magic systems for divining for items specific to a working I'm doing. So if there's a working that I'm doing for protection, let's say it's a candle. And I have like all of these different things in front of me that I think would be great items, but I don't want to cause issues in the way the candle burns. I've developed a coin divination that will tell me yes or no for the different things that I'm going to put into the candle. So I'd have them in front of me, use my coins to ask, is this for the best? Is this the best tool to use in this working? Throw them, the result will tell me if that's something I want to include or not. Divination in this context is going to be more of what I'm going to do than necessarily divining in the beginning. Like I said, at this point, once you've developed a good enough intuition, you can kind of tell where things are going to go. I've gotten to that point. I don't always read before doing workings. There are some who like, if I don't really know them or we haven't developed enough rapport, then I will read to make sure it's going to go the way we want it to go. Most of the people I'm doing working for, or if I'm doing working for myself, I kind of already have a good idea of where it's going to go if I do a working a certain way. These are just ways to help me cut down on everything that I would add or simplify the process a little further. Did you create that 
system yes. because of specifically doing these workings? Um, I created that. Yes. I needed a yes and no system. And like, you can do that with tarot. You can do that with playing cards. I just didn't feel any connection to either of those. So you can flip a coin, but I think that's so already just a normal secular way that people can make decisions that I was like, this is too, too much in the physical realm. It's not enough in the, in the spiritual realm, if that makes any so sense. So it's not like serious enough for yes. the situation. And then I was like, okay, let's try two coins. Well, there's a yes, a no, and a maybe. And I don't mm -hmm. like just having two coins. And I like the number three. I thought about four, but I'm like, there's already a very specific divination system in the African religions that uses that. And I'm not trying to look like I'm just using that mm -hmm. so i settled with three so it is three copper coins with my birth date on them the birth the mint year is my birth year um three heads is yes three tails is no two heads one tail is likely two tails one head is unlikely in the I Ching system you will use three coins those are going to determine what lines you're going to draw. So it is similar in a way to I Ching just by there's only going to be four results. <laughs> um, so it is similar to the I Ching, but it is not based necessarily on the I Ching. I gave it straightforward. Yes, no, likely, unlikely. But that came out of necessity. That came out of a need for a yes, no system. How do you find the things that you're going to put into your MISA? whether they'll be accepted or not. I already know the answer you've told me, but for the sake of information. <laughs> for, for the, the sake of, right. <laughs> um, I mean, it started out at first, the teacher, you know, he's like, you're going to need this, this, and this, and started gathering it. But over time, it's gotten to be, um, you know, I'll be drawn to like a certain stone or something. And as I'm sitting there kind of holding it, like I'll, I'll get a mental picture of where it goes or what it's going to do. And there's been times where it's going to replace something that is cycling out. Like that piece is done. It's going to go do something else. Or, you know, sometimes it's all I'm like, oh, that's why this is going with this client now. So like they know before I do sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, there's been times where even just sitting there and asking each piece, like what its name is and what it's going to do. Um but even then, like, I'm not necessarily divining for them. Um, <laughs> the Mesa has to eat it, doesn't it? Um, if it's your centerpiece, the Kintu, mm -hmm. um, you do put it in there and it, it kind of works its way in. It, it's kind of, it's weird. Like, there's some things that will work its way in, other things, um, you know, when you're opening and cleansing and everything, like, you'll, you, you can trade them out. But if you're adding a new piece in, in addition to the other, it kind of, it eats it, it works its way in through. And over time, like it just kind of works in through all the folds, which that is a miracle in of itself. Mm -hmm. But um, then you have like your big outer mesa and um, those are easier. Just, you know, you come and go, you add things, you move things around as needed. Um, but I use in a way uh, for clients in, in the dividing with the Mesa, it's more of like burning incense and just reading the incense smoke or 
getting lost in that trance and letting the mental image play of like what's going to happen, what needs to happen, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't really divine to put anything in there. It just kind of, I guess it is a divining in a way when you're asking, you know, why do you want to come home with me? Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually felt kind of similar to one of, so I tell people when I'm doing things in the public, I read tarot. Uh, there are about three other more traditional ways that I read for clients when we're actively working toward a goal. Uh, and one of those is divination with smoke. It is burning kobal smoke in front of an obsidian mirror and reading both what we see in the mirror and in the smoke together. Um, that is kind of like soul peering. Um, and the reason I keep that, that's not something I'm going to do in the public because that is very intimate. Like I'm looking at your soul in this moment. That is not something to be taken lightly. But yeah, reading smoke is what triggered me to think of that. <laughs> that I mean, honestly, the smoke reading is more of a thing that I do on a regular, semi-regular basis. Mm-hmm. I've tried connecting in with tarot and geomancy and runes and shells and mm-hmm. all the things. And I'll dabble with it for a little bit. It'll be fun. It'll be like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, nah, this isn't it anymore. But the smoke... Um, and it's funny because it also then becomes like part of the the act itself. Mm-hmm. So um, in a way that divining is part of the magic ritual. Mm-hmm. So it, it's separate yet included. We probably should have talked about this in the beginning, but let's define divination for a minute. Okay, so there's the saying, prayer is talking to God. Meditating is listening to God. Divination is discourse and dialogue with God, in my opinion. You're both asking and presenting a question and you're receiving an answer. That's it. That can be done in a number of ways. And again, when I, it is my personal belief when you get very good at developing intuition and you've developed your intuition to the point where you can kind of already know intuitively what's going to happen. You're in a very subtle flux with spirit, universe, God, whatever you want to call it. That is the only necessity you need. You don't need to have a divination tool to divine. I think that's where some of us, like most people, most tarot readers, like they don't need the tarot. Yeah. It's more to make the client feel comfortable. Yes. Um, I am guilty of that. For the first like three readings I do, anytime I have like, uh, like we're, if we're at the fair or anything like that, the first three readings, I'm using the cards as confirmation. And then kind of after that, I'm just going to start spewing things because <laughs> my, tr- my mind is already triggered to be in that receptive zone that it just starts coming naturally. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people that start divining before the working by the end of it, they're, they're either not doing it anymore because they are already, they've learned to be in that space. Yeah even in the preparation, like, should I be doing this? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, let me, <laughs> let me go watch a TV show instead. Um, you know, or like, Oh, I already know I need to. And then what all is involved. And then by then you're just, you're just doing because mm-hmm. you know, you're in that space. Yes. Um, the other thing with that is there are some days where I don't even need to be actively sitting with my cards or sitting, you know, doing anything. There are some days I wake up and I just immediately feel in that flux of 
receptivity, receptivity. Um, and throughout the whole day, just random useless knowledge comes into my head as things to know. Mm-hmm. Just like, I, d- I didn't need to know that. I knew that, but like that was not prevalent or important in any way, shape or form. <laughs> and it's just, you know, a lot of people will be like, all these synchronicities. And I'm like, are these synchronicities or are you just very receptive at this moment? Right. Um, again, some of it's just stupid information. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think too, maybe to circle back into using divination in working. Um, so yes, you can use your tarot. Yes, you can use runes. You can use shells, all the things. And and I think maybe we should point out like there's no one and only correct way to use any of these tools in the working. Mm-hmm. It could be just as simple as lighting a candle and leaning the tarot card against the candle with the intention that the energy that you've set forth is going to be the spell. Yes. Um, or you can start getting elaborate and writing on the card, cutting the card, burning the card. Yeah. Um, symbols are very powerful if you know how to speak that language. Uh, that's the other thing. You know, you should always work in the language that you understand. Um, think so like back to sigils when I talked about that a couple episodes ago, if writing the sigil out works for you, that's great. If drawing symbols is a better language you can communicate with, do that. Um, I don't think I'm the only one that has ever said this, but spirit will talk to you in the language you're going to understand. For some people that is messages that they just hear on the radio. For others, it's, you know, seeing fairies out in trees, you know. Um, For me, it's through my grandpa showing up. (laughs) So you're going to receive messages in a language that you're going to understand. You have to figure out how to talk, though. You need to find a language you understand to begin with. That's where sometimes coming up with your own is going to work really well. Yes. Um, being resourceful. All right, so let's move on to some of the best, some of the best and or better divination tools to use. So like Melissa said, there's no one right or wrong tool to use or way to use it. Um, that being said, if you're going to practice in like an American folk magic tradition, like I do, all American folk magics use playing cards and most of them use tarot if you are someone who is practicing in a european witchcraft context maybe using the runes or the oem would be better suited to you there are some culturally specific divination systems that might read and work a little better for you if you used those. And an example of that would be um, the I Ching. So if you were going to, if you're someone who is picking up, you know, ancestral Taoist magic, maybe start to learn how to use the I Ching. Um, Now, if you've already established a really good, strong connection with a divination system, which in my opinion is one of the first things you should probably learn when picking up magic, you would use that. You're going to have a lot. That's a language you already understand. Things are going to flow better. It's going to be a little easier for you to understand. It's going to be a little easier for you to interpret. That is going to be left up to the practitioner though. 
there aren't many divination methods that exist in Peruvian shamanism, are there? There are a lot of like no. omen reading and stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, there's really only one clear way, at least that I've been taught, um, and that's like you ask your question, and you um, ultimately like you can lay down on the ground you know, face down and you extend your an, uh, energetic umbilical cord down into Mother Earth and you read the energy back. And that's the yes, no, yes with abundance or wait. Mm-hmm. So figuring that out, like what does each one feel to you? Because that's going to be different yeah. for each person. So that's really the only way. But otherwise, it's kind of like you are in this communication with, you know, nature around you that ideally like you shouldn't have to get to that position like you should already be getting that you should already be in that receptive zone, yeah like, constantly yeah so it's, it's very rare um if you're actively practicing all the time but you know you would have to resort to like let me go lay down on the ground yeah um and quite frankly with as busy as i've been i might have to go lay down on the ground like <laughs> i might have to go like but i like that that kind of teaches you to rely on your intuition it, it's relying on intuition. It's uh, communication with everything around you. So, um, you know, it, it's not funny if somebody, you know, to us, if somebody's like, oh, that tree told me the antidote. Well, to me, yeah. Well, that tree very well could have, yeah. you know, and, and communicating and talking like my higher self, talking to your higher self. So as your mouth is saying one thing, your spirit's saying something else or mm-hmm. confirming and going into like, yeah, but what they're not telling you is... <laughs> So, but I like that that's like using an intangible form of divination. It's not tarot cards. It's not a runestone. It's not sticks. It's right. It's mental. Right. And I mean, even like my shaman teacher, like he's doing that all the time, but every now and then, and I think he does it just to make us go, Ooh, what's that? Um, he's got the three calorie shells and sometimes yeah. he'll Based do the whole. I, yes. Based on what I know about him, that is again, back to one of those African traditions. That's where that comes from. Those cowrie shells have a name. They have a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Usually it's for, especially with what he, what I know he practices, it should be for. It could Um, be for. I remember It might be three, but the the practitioners I know of that tradition, it's four usually. Um, But again, there's so many different lineages. They could be doing things, you know, different and just as valid. And he's only pulled them out like maybe twice Mm -hmm. in person. And, uh, when that happened, he was like in mode, like teaching one thing. And then a student like raised their hand or something and asked a question about learning something different or like going off and he'll stop. And you can see him like try to come out of that, that flow. And then he'll, he would walk over and he, he'd throw them down and then he'd like, huh. And he's like, well, okay, we're going to do this now or do that. And later on, I'm like, what was that? And he's like, do the spirits want want you to know that right now? Yeah. He's like, and that's what that was. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. But like maybe twice that I can remember in how many years that he's actually. And and again, that was watching him try to shift from being in this spiritual communication and teaching to like, are we going over here now? Like, oh, do I need to? It's always good to have like those. Yeah, those little backups. Yeah, or like, yeah, like to be um, versed in more than one thing. But uh in tandem. Right. 
but yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, like I maybe I didn't even realize I was doing as much divination beforehand, but it's like, mm-hmm. I'm already kind of there and I'm yeah. not physically learned something well, about myself in this here podcast right. recording. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, um, again, I'm not the only one that has seen this, but like asking people like, have you ever practiced magic? No. You have a horseshoe above your door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's magic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those little superstition things yeah. are very small magical acts that people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Blowing out your birthday candles. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's not something at the forefront because when we say magic or we say witchcraft, you know, we get a very specific idea and it's not seen until you realize what you're doing that it exists in the everyday. It exists in the mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something I was going to say with Zane and all of that. Well, and just using your divination tools in a magical, you doesn't have to be elaborate. doesn't no. have to be this long, complicated five days of preparation to do. And quite frankly, I'm too lazy to do that anyway. So I'm proof <laughs> that you don't have to do all of that. Right. Um. And then there are other things that are very big. Melissa and I, I was telling this, I was telling Melissa about this beforehand. There are things that are very important that you don't necessarily need to do divination for anyway. So in the tradition of Buddhism, I practice when we pick our yadams, our main meditational deities that we practice, you could go have divination done to see which one is going to be the best fit for your karma. Most of us just pick the one we're drawn to. Um, you know, you could go to a practitioner of, it's called Mo, um, and it's usually done with dice or mala beads and find out if a certain practice is going to alleviate an obstacle that you're facing. Or there's another type of divination in Tibetan Buddhism. It's using a melong, which is a type of mirror. It's a mirror divination. You can do those things, but... Ultimately, any of them will work. You don't need to have a divination to know if you should practice Medicine Buddha, Chenrezig, or Tara. You don't need a meditate or uh, a divination to see if you should do Mahamudra or Dzogchen. Now, picking the next Dalai Lama, that requires a divination. Picking incarnations of tulkus, that requires divination. But sometimes when you have these big obstacles or these big events that could be looming in the future that are going to come just be in flux with it just go with it you don't need to know everything you don't always need to know the outcome and sometimes with enough faith you can change a projected outcome so even if you do a reading and it keeps saying no i still stand by what i say give it some time but then maybe forego the divination, if you have enough faith in something and see if it works out. Because the worst that it's happened is it won't. The worst that'll happen is it doesn't. You wasted some time and maybe a candle or yeah. some herbs or <laughs> some tea or something, right? If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But <clears throat> we have any final closing thoughts? Not from me. What about from you? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess if you never thought to do divination before spell working, give it a try. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Will it change your mind about doing that? Um, but ultimately, I, you know, over time, I think most practitioners just 
get to the point where they don't need the divination anymore or they do it just for keeping themselves in a magical space, Mm -hmm. you know, so not required, but could be fun to do. Um, But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, typically with clients, I just find it helpful for me for them if I do divination. Yeah. And see, that's where like, I don't do spell work for hire. So I I don't find myself that I need to Mm -hmm. just because, um, one time there's not enough time in my day to do that. And two, um, I don't know, just not something I'm looking to do. Um, yeah, no spell for hire. I feel like that needs like a neon sign outside the building. (laughs) We'll do spells for coin. Yeah. (laughs) Um, alms for magic. That's right. <laughs> Let me get you a little neon sign outside <laughs> your house there. <Sarah. laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for a, a little bit shorter of one, but that's okay. I think we're both tired from psychic fear today. That's why we're both in the same room for a change. Yes. <laughs> so if you hear some extra little background noise, we're in the store. We're not at home contained quiet rooms. Um, but yeah. Thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.